Hey man, thank you for tuning us in here Sunday morning, February the 11th, 2024, the 2nd of Adar, 157.84 of the Hebrew calendar. I want to talk to you, if you would, take your Bibles over to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 27. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 27. And here, as you get over to Proverbs, we look at the wisdom because the wisdom of Proverbs, wisdom is the application of God's truth for your daily life. Here, I want to talk to you about don't let the government raise your kids. You know what? The lies that our government tells us, I wish I could not say that, but we get lied to every day. They're changing young minds to think the way they want them to think. And all of us, when you look at Proverbs 4, it reveals a motivation for Solomon's sense of urgency. He was God's steward, and therefore, he was to pass on his remarkable spiritual heritage, not only to his son, but also to the future generations. And he knew the importance of communicating God's truth in such a way that it might be preserved for future generations. And so when we look and we realize that uh, here in the book of Proverbs, it can set you wisdom on a path, on a highway to heaven or on a highway to hell. Don't let the government raise your kids. You know, America's in trouble because of the things that we once held dear are no longer esteemed and the values that we once felt important are no longer respected it all has to do with the powers that be those who hold the power and those who are in authority are making decisions that will affect our nation for generations to come boy if i ain't doing some mighty preaching right there if they ain't some truth and wisdom in that but the problem can be seen in the gradual eroding of our form of government. We're becoming a government that is no longer by the people and for the people. Rather, it is a government run by aristocrats, those with self-serving agendas. And so our American form of government is often referred to as a democracy. However, America was never intended to be a democracy, but a republic. You say, what? Listen to what the Pledge of Allegiance of the United States of America. When we begin to do our pledge, I remember as a, a child in school that we would pledge allegiance, be the first thing. It would come on uh, the, uh, basically the, the microphone on the, sound system, we'd all stand and we'd have American flag in the classroom and we'd say, and the last thing, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. You know what? We know democracy is a government of the masses, but as things begin to change, the Old Testament that God gave us was the Ten Commandments. It was a divine law. It was a standard by which man was to live in relation to his creator and in relationship to fellow man. 
the first four commandments, they related to one's relationship with God. But the next six commandments had to do with human relationships. And I'm glad that God told us, he said, you know, he said, uh, as we post those 10 commandments in our homes, in our public places, out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, he said, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You know what? Our forefathers obeyed and they posted the list of the 10 commandments in over thousands and thousands public places in America. Now, they're only on display in a very few places in the United States Supreme Court. And so it's sad that when we look at the law today, God knows every tear, every sigh. He's omniscient, and he knows everything about us before we ever ask him. And I, I know that it's sad that when we look at America today, and we see America plummeting down, even as we started out, the Apostle Paul said, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Every man has within him a moral compass, a guidance system, the ability to know right from wrong. However, without God to guide us, man will always choose that which is wrong. And the reason our nation is in such trouble today that we're living in a time when like in the time of the judges, every man did that which was right in their own eyes. And so it's sad that when we look at the laws that are changing as fast as the leadership can write a pen and change and undo and change and undo and get rid of all the morals and the standards that makes America the great, great place that it's always been. It's sad that when we deal uh, with these things, that it's getting more and more worse, a government that's no longer by the people. And so when we look and realize today how sad that things are becoming to be, that will never, ever seem like get back to where we need to be. And so I'm telling you, don't let the government raise your kids. They want to change their young minds. They want to lie and they want to lie some more. But whatever path that those young minds choose in the future, no matter whether the government has uh, told them the wrong or the lies or whatever that they see or television or media, there's a highway and there's a decision time that's coming one day. And that will lead you down the road of wisdom to the highway of heaven or the highway to hell. Wisdom is the application of God's truth for your daily life. And so when we look and realize that uh, each and every one of us are going to have to make an adjustment because when we get down to the verse 18, it talks about the path of the justice, like the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. And it starts out, it tells us about the picture of the sunrise at the gleam of dawn, that it's increasing of the light of the path of our day, that if we walk in the way of God's wisdom, the path gets brighter and brighter, and there's no sunset. But when the path ends, we step into a land where the light never dims, for there shall be no night there. God has a plan for each of us, 
And if we walk in his wisdom, we can confidently know that the Lord will begin to give us uh, the path. Sometimes that path ain't an easy one, but it will always be fulfilling as we walk in the will of our Heavenly Father, praise God. And you know what? It involves responsibilities. All of us have responsibilities, no matter who we are. But I'm glad that it deals with us being able to know God's word, to be able to trust God's providence, and to obey God's will, praise God. And so wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. If you want to be prepared for the problems that are fixing to be coming, and they will be coming very soon, especially this year of election, there's going to be some disturbing things that's going to be foreseen this coming year. And uh, the challenges that are going to be, and the changes that are going to come, and how terrible, and how things are getting more and more un-American. You have to get God's perspective. You need to see life through the eyes of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, wisdom is a skill that can be acquired. Wisdom is a trait that can be developed because when Christ comes into your life, you know Christ. But if you don't know all there is to know, and he begins to teach you as he dwells in your life, as you commit your life to him, and you begin to look at people through the eyes of Jesus, you begin to look at circumstances through the eyes of Jesus, you'll have a different perspective. Wisdom is not what this world calls wisdom. But Paul says that wisdom of uh, this world is foolishness to God. And so sometimes God's wisdom goes exactly contrary to the wisdom of this world. And sometimes God's wisdom goes parallel with the wisdom that man knows. But if man knows anything, that is correct. It comes from the wisdom of God and not from the wisdom of man. We look at life from God's perspective and we begin to look and realize that wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. Now, when we look at wisdom for kids, we know that what some call uh, foolish is sometimes uh, wisdom. You know what? Have you ever heard the phrase uh, that uh, out of the mouth of babes? Certainly you have. It comes from the simple truth that sometimes it takes a child to reveal lasting wisdom. And when we look at this picture, this wisdom for kids, and we see how that this child is having a great time swinging in the arms right in between his mom and dad. You know, if you was to ask some kids about some things, you'd never realize what they might say. Patrick, age 10, said, never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael, age 14, said that when your dad's mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer him. Michael, wise men, that he was also said, Never tell your mom her diet's not working. Randy, nine years old of age, said, stay away from your prunes. One wonders how he discovered that bit of wisdom. And then uh, another kid, uh, Coco, age nine, said, never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. Naomi, age 15, said, if you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. Laura, age nine, said, Felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Joel, age 10 years old, said, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. And Aline, age 8, said, never try to baptize a cat. You know what? Have you ever noticed how little children pepper you with questions? And, you know, I was reading a story about a little four-year-old who did just that 
to his mom. He said, Mommy, where do babies come from? Not quite sure that she wanted to get technical with her son just now. She replied, Well, the stork. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, Mommy, who keeps bad people from robbing our house and the police, uh, honey, oh, okay. Mommy, if our house was on fire, who would save us? That would be the fire department, sweetheart. Oh, okay, Mommy. Oh, oh, where does food come from? Well, farmers grow the food, honey. Oh, oh, okay, Mommy. Well, uh, well, yes, sweetheart. What is it now? What do you need a daddy for? You know what? All of the questions that kids can keep on, we begin to give them from a young age that great wisdom that begins to teach them. And when we look at Proverbs, it begins to tell us some things about wisdom of how that we need to listen to our parents' wise advice. In verses 1 through 9, we're going to see that in just a moment. But before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer before we get into the scripture. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that, Lord, that the day that we get up every day, Lord, we have to make choices. Lord, whether we walk in the right path or whether we walk in our own foolishness. But Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom that we need from your word of God. Because, Lord, as we are being watched by the future generations, may we be parents that are parents of wisdom to share the love of God with the many that are out there today of our children. Lord, I thank God, Lord, as we look to you, as we listen to the Father's voice. Lord, I know that you said the voice of a stranger we don't need to follow. And so, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, God, that you will give us the instructions that we need, the wisdom that we need, Father. Let the Holy Spirit that abides permanently in us, guides us to our truth. And Lord, I pray, God, as we listen to the Father, and Lord, of all the things that we need to do, may we have the mind of Christ, hold the thoughts and the feelings and the purposes of our heart, that, Lord, as we enter into that blessed rest, by trusting and relying on you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Praise God. Here, when we look at wisdom for kids, one of the things that we see is that we need to listen to our parents' wise advice. And so opening up the instructions of the practical down the earth, uh, here we hear the Shama which is the powerful introductory word of the Shama of Israel, the centerpiece of the Jews' morning and evening prayers, amen, that it talks about here, their instructions, amen. Because when we look at that, as we start out, it says, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. And so when we look at that understanding of what it is that we've got to be able to do. Each and every one of us, every day, the Lord knows exactly what we need before we ask. But I'm glad that this is used in a manner, the word hear, hear ye children. It means far more than simply hearing what is said. It means to heed or to hearken 
to what is said. It includes both attention and obedience. And this is the first time in the book of Proverbs that the plural address, children or sons, is ever used. This is very significant because it reveals Solomon's understanding that he was transferring God's truth both to his son and to the future generations as well. And this body of truth, it come uh, from Father David, who had received from his father Jesse, all the way back through the former generations, amen, that is traced back to Moses, who received it from God. And I'm glad that when we look at this and we're reminded of how Solomon had complete confidence in the doctrine and the guidelines that he taught his son. His instruction was sound in its content. It followed. It would bring about good and profitable results, amen. And so I'm glad when we look and realize that here he goes on. He says, yet the tone of the delivery comes across more because look what we read. He says, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. We see that the warning to his son that he's not to forsake his father's teaching or law and not to let go of it. Amen. And so the law, the Torah, once again, links the father's words to God's word, God's holy law. And while some uh, out there, as we look at the father's instructions here, we know that God's law cannot and should not be denied. But God's law, his holy word is the authority behind all that the father teaches his son. And to take away that connection weakens the value and the, the significance of his instruction. And so we need to be able to have that sacred obligation to fulfill God's urgent uh, command uh, as we look at this and realize what God wants to do. He taught me also and said unto me, let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. And so... When we look and we begin to realize that it's all about the heart, because I'm glad the Queen Mary was the largest ship to cross the oceans when it launched in 1936. And through four decades and a world war, she served until she was retired and anchored in a floating hotel and museum in the Long Beach, California. And during that process of conversion, she had three massive smokestacks that were taken off to be scraped down and repainted. But once they were on the dock, they crumbled the smokestacks before the scraping could ever begin. On inspection, they noticed that the smokestacks were nothing more than 30 plus coats of paint and the three quarter inch steel plates had long rusted away. You know what? Just like the human heart, the outside can look so good, flesh and normal looking, while the heart can be devastated and worn away. The heart is the symbol and the core of all of our personality. It's the very seed of what we think and how we respond. And, and, and we need to carefully monitor our hearts to be sure that we stay healthy. The Bible teaches us that our hearts are to be carefully taken care of. And so the heart disease of the soul has a much greater consequence than that of the body. And while a heart attack may affect our physical life and our ungodly heart can affect our eternal life, we need to listen uh, to the programming and look at the wisdom 
that God is wanting uh, to give us, amen. And so, when we look at the wisdom of God's word, amen, and what he wants to do for us, we follow David's example with Solomon, amen. As he transfers God's truth to his son, Solomon finally recalls the scenes from his own childhood. This is how that we teach our children instead of letting the government instruct them, praise God. Here, uh, Solomon uses scenes that uh, plant an image in his son's young mind. He's passing on a legacy of faith. His father David had sown these same seeds of wisdom in his tender heart and mind when he was just a boy, praise God. And so here he said, for I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, praise God. And so Solomon describes himself as a tender. Uh, and so uh, the impact of this emotional word, amen, that it's easy to speculate that tears filled Solomon's eyes when he pronounced it to his son. It was a word that he had first heard when his father spoke it over in First Chronicles, amen. And so when we look and realize that tender, how innocent the years of a child's life when his or her heart is soft and impressionable, how the government, how even the education system, some of them takes, now there's some good ones, but there's some terrible ones as well. But everything is about manipulating your children today. But you're, you need to take time, parents, to teach your children. You need to show them, praise God. Solomon was the only son of David and Bathsheba. And scripture says that he was the only beloved child in the sight of his mother. Amen. In verse 3. And so when we look and realize that here, as we see, Despite the passing of time, Solomon had not forgotten what his father taught him, praise God, that he says, he goes on, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. And so, four times in verses five and seven, Solomon repeats the word get. He says, get, amen, get understanding. These are the words that stayed with Solomon from his childhood days. And these are the words that influenced Solomon at his inauguration when God offered him anything that he desired. Can you imagine? Oh, man. God said, okay, you choose whatever you want. Oh, I want a lifetime supply of ice cream. I, I want a lifetime of immortality. I want a lifetime of, of good health. I want a lifetime of being brilliant. I want to be a lifetime of all the things that somebody can ask for. But Solomon says, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And here he says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Hallelujah. And so we see that in this process, that as we look and realize that God is wanting to do a great work here for our children, and he's wanting us to be able to teach your children the importance of God's uh, uh, plan, amen. And so I thank God every one of us, uh, every one of us today as we look around and realize how important that is, that we begin to give uh, uh, God's uh, 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 wonderful pl uh, plan uh, that he has for us. God has a very important plan for all of our lives, amen. 
And so when we look and we begin to realize that the things that God is wanting to do, amen, here in all of our lives, praise God, we see that as it goes forward, amen, David urged Solomon not only to acquire wisdom, but also to retain it. And he must never stop following after wisdom. Wisdom is not a once and for all decision. It's a process. And in other words, gaining wisdom requires an ongoing commitment. Wisdom must be exercised. It must be intensely sustained. And many things in life are lost, not because they're intentionally let go of, but because they are not purposely kept. And, and so wisdom is one of those things that if a person does not deliberately practice and apply wisdom, it will silently slip away. That's why you got a bunch of luggage. That's why I see so many people with so much luggage because they make so many horrible choices and they even tell their children horrible choices. But when you follow the truth of God's wisdom, you'll never go wrong. And I'm glad Solomon did not retain the wisdom that he gained in his early years. He purposely chose to turn away from his father's advice and to turn away from God's commandments. And nevertheless, in the beginning, David had taught young Solomon the priceless benefits of following the path of wisdom. And so, teach your children the importance of God's path. Amen. Because God has a path for every one of us. Amen. And so... I'm glad that all of us, it doesn't matter, the gender does not determine the symbol, the type, or whatever about wisdom. Proverbs is a book of poetry, and it uses poetic language. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. Here we see a specific purpose, that he's speaking to his son, and he presents wisdom to him as a woman whom he should pursue and marry a bride with who must a dowry be paid and the language of it that paints a picture, do not forsake her love her or her pay any price. And so when we look at all of the things about wisdom, it'll use a lot of adjectives, her, amen. And so I'm glad that it'll use her as if that's the woman that you're to marry and to spend wisdom is, praise God. And so forsake her, other words you hear, forsake her not, and she Wisdom shall preserve thee. Love her wisdom, and she shall keep thee, praise God. And so wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor. And when thou embrace, doest embrace her, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. And so the gender does not determine the symbol type as it may be. But here we see that Solomon identifies wisdom as a woman for a specific purpose. He's speaking to his son and he presents wisdom to him as a woman whom he should pursue and marry, a bride for whom he should, whom a dowry must be paid, praise God. And so he's to embrace her, praise God. He's to pursue that bride. He's to pursue that wisdom, praise God. Hallelujah. And so we see here that you teach your children the importance of God's path, praise God. Wisdom is the application of God's truth for your daily lives. And so every one of us, when we look and we begin to realize of what God is wanting to do, he expands on the love of wisdom, amen. Wisdom is the ultimate possession in the life, the understanding that's worth the cost 
of all that one has. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting, get understanding. And so we're looking and we see what he's talking about. Wisdom will exalt with honor in verse 8. Amen. It will build uh, her up. Wisdom will promote and raise him up. If he embraces her, she will glorify and honor him. Praise God. Wisdom could bring favor, grace, and position, a crown to life in verse 9. Amen. An ornament of grace is a wreath of favor and glory. Hallelujah. And so we see. In other words, wisdom presents a crown of glory to the victor. Proverbs tells us that wisdom grants additional crowns, crowns such as a virtuous wife, uh, the riches of the wise, the gray hair of the righteous person, the grandchildren, hallelujah, and it involves hating the wise counsel and the instruction of parents that teaches us the vital truths of life. And so, thank God, teach your children the importance of God's path, praise God. And so the home is to be the primary source of moral and spiritual training, amen. The father and the mother, not the professional teacher, not the pastor or the government official. It's not their jobs, amen. No, uh-uh. I'll tell you, listen, to lead that young person in the right way, only a parent can employ the right young man, young woman, to do what is right with a depth of love and displayed right here more than any other that brings out the urgency of parental love. Hey, pastor. Hey, government, listen, sometimes they have to step in. You know why? Because, listen, parents, you're absent. You ain't showing up for your job. There ain't a daddy in the home. Or maybe there's a daddy and there ain't a mama in the home. You have been found all of a sudden where you're not at home where you're supposed to be raising your children. You're off doing all of these other things. Spiritual training needs to begin in the very early years of a child's life. And so, every child enters the world with a tender heart, amen. Think about all the things that they got to go through. Think about it at a very young age. Uh, that So parents begin to impress upon a child's soft heart, both scripturally instruction and loving them, praise God. They ain't nothing that love can't accomplish, especially with Valentine's coming up this coming week, that love can do some extraordinary things. But I'm glad that proud family heritage and legacy of righteousness are invaluable because instill in your children the faith of their ancestors, the values that guided their lives. And every family has some ancestors who were not so virtuous. But I'm going to tell you something. We can praise the values and the diligence of those who were righteous, who were hardworking. Amen. That I'm glad that the shame uh, brought upon the families of those who were immoral, that were lazy, that were ungodly. Lord, help us in America today. But listen, remember, every spiritual legacy begins with one person. And you should know who that one person in your family was to come to Christ. And I'm glad that we emphasize to our children and our grandchildren and the importance of continuing to encourage your children and grandchildren from an early age. The father has that special role to be able to do that, praise God. And so as we do that, we're able to do a great deal. And I'm glad teach your children the importance of God's path. Amen. Here as we go, secondly, pursue the right path in life in verses 10 through 19. Amen. And so, how many of us remember the old Route 66? It was a federal highway that opened in the year of 1926, passing through eight states, covered 2,600 miles, stretched all the way from Chicago, Illinois, to Los Angeles, California, often referred to as the mother of 
of um, the Mother Road or Route 66. It was lined with motels, roadside cafes, tourist attractions. It became one of the most wonderful attractions. Uh, in October of 1960, they even made a weekly TV series entitled Route 66 with each episode filmed somewhere along the course of the highway. Unfortunately, as time passed, population growth uh, necessitated larger, faster highways, interstates. Route 66 began to be ignored for the super four-lane highway today. Much of the original ride is closed. The portion of the highway that are still used are worn in and despair filled with potholes and weeds. But when we pursue the right path in life, first of all, we started out, listen to your parents' wise advice in verses one through nine. But here, pursue the right path in life. We see, hear, O my son, and receive my saying, and the years of thy life shall be many. He goes on, he says, I've taught thee in the way of wisdom. I've led thee in the right path. Amen. And when thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life, the wisdom. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. I'm glad that each and every one of us, when we begin to look and realize that of all the things, the book of Proverbs, that it begins to tell us. We see here that you will live long. He says, hear, O child, O my son, and receive my saying, and the years of thy life shall be many. Solomon, again, demands his son's attention. And so each and every one of us, as we go through life, we begin to look at to how to pursue the right path in life. As the father continues his instruction, his focus remains on his son. And I'm glad that each and every one of us, as we look and hear, he says, you will have a long life if you'll just listen to what I tell you, amen. The father reminds his son that wisdom is the key to a long life, amen. The dangers of the road claim many lines, sin, lives, sin results in death, not just spiritual death, but also physical death. And the natural consequences of sin often result in premature death, for instance, in an accident brought on by drinking or drugs or sin-induced disease or from the stress of a sinful guilt-laden uh, uh, lifestyle and all of the things that comes with those things. Amen. He says we got to walk in the straight and the righteous path in verses 11, 12, and 13. Amen. He tells us, amen. And so we see the word taught. I have taught thee. Amen. I'm glad. Stay on the right path. I've taught and I have led. Amen. And so I thank God of the Greek word or the uh, Hebrew word, the taught, which is hortika. It's related to the Torah or God's law, his holy word at what the father has taught. He said, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. Praise God. As we look and we realize that here he says the hortika, he taught the Hebrew word that's related to Torah and God's law and his holy word. What the father has taught his son is God's law and the way of God's wisdom. And this way is not automatically found. Human nature are toward the way of foolishness and sinfulness and laziness and everything else that's out in the world. Amen. But the father reminds his son why he must choose this path. It is the path of wisdom, the right path, he says in verse 11. Amen. 
I've led thee in right paths. Amen. He says also in verse 12, he said, it is the safe and the secure path. Hallelujah. Amen. The path of righteousness that's proven hazard free path. When a son or daughter walks along the path of righteousness, that they're not hindered. They're not obstructed. They're not restricted by the, uh, uh, the uh, barriers and uh, the things uh, that are out there, obstructions that try to get in the way of the potholes and the obstacles along the way. Oh, that rough road that requires the son to walk not, but to run sometimes. And so it's the key to life. It says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. And so it is the living path. And so when we look and realize, he says, do not walk, not even set foot on the path of the wicked. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it and turn from it and pass away. Boy, I tell you, when we look and as we go, teach your children to choose, notice, to choose God's path. Amen. To choose God's path. We've got to make that choice. You look at John Wesley Powell. John Wesley Powell is a name that a lot of people may not recognize. But listen, it was about a one-armed hero, the explorer of the American national treasure, the Grand Canyon. Powell named the place on the Colorado River Separation Rapid. This is where three men separated from the main party and attempted to walk out of the canyon by themselves. What precipitated this separation? A major, major dilemma. The Powell Party had earlier lost one of their four boats and over half of their food to the river. And the rapids they now faced were more menacing than anything that they had ever encountered. Normally, as we look and as they carried the huge wooden boats around such difficult areas, but here it was impossible. Two choices were available to the explorer. Number one, abandon the exploration and walk out into uncharted hostile territory. Or number two, face their fear and plunge headlong into the rapids, trusting themselves to make it. Three chose the former, while the seven remaining men chose the latter. And to everyone's surprise, the rapids only had the appearance of a treacherous ride. Within minutes, they cleared separation rapid, unscathed, and with all their provisions, the three separators were never heard from again. Listen, you know what? Because why this story? to remind all of us of the importance of choices. Choices. No one here will ever be confronted with a choice like these men had to make. But the truth of the matter is we are all confronted with choices in life. And some we've already made. Some we'll make in the day. And choices that we will make in the days and years ahead. And the heart of that message, don't miss it. We will have to live with the choices that we make. Good or bad, when you and I make a decision, it is our choice and it is something that we're going to have to live with, just like Wesley, John Wesley Powell had to live with. And so we see, for thy sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light. This is the focus of it all. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Boy, here, I'm glad, he says, 
Teach your children to choose God's path. Don't walk, not even set foot on the path of the wicked that he tells us, amen. And so I tell you, every one of us, when we look and realize that as the further we go through life today, and as we look at the changes that begin to transpire to all of us, amen, he said, don't, their wine uh, is violence, amen. And so every one of us, when we look at the wickedness and the just, the way of the wicked in a dark, dangerous road, those who choose this path blindly stumble upon the holes, the rocks, and the hazards because they walk in darkness and all the endless eternal path of the life of sin. At the end of the road, there's a cliff. Those who grope in darkness cannot see it ahead. And when they reach the end of the road, those are the wicked. They suddenly and unexpectedly drop off into the abyss below. The bottomless pit that the bottom calls hell. Because there's only two choices. The highway to heaven or the highway to hell. And so it is a very personal thing in the coming days that every one of us are going to have to meet up to. We're going to have to make a choice uh, no matter what that we're going to do, amen. And so here, as we look and realize that all of the, the broken hearts that make the bad choices, pastors, parents, counselors, mentors, any who are in the position to influence the young, we must strongly proclaim, as Solomon did to his son, and there about the path of sin. We must do all within our power to keep our young people from taking the first step down the road of rebellion and wickedness, amen. As we do all that we can, we must realize that we can only lead them to the right path. We cannot force them to take it. Therefore, we must bombard the throne of grace with intercessory prayer on their behalf at all times, praise God, because that is the most powerful thing that you could teach your children to choose God's path, praise God. And so, as we get ready to go on a little further, amen, we listen to God. Listen to your parents' wise advice in verses 1 through 9. Pursue the right path in life in verses 10 through 19. Keep on the straight, righteous uh, path in verses 20 all the way down to verse 27. He tells us, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thy eyes look right on and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Here we look and we begin to realize that we got to keep on the straight and the righteous path. We've got to listen closely to these words, amen, that we're being instructed because they are powerful, amen. And I'm glad that the father begins with the ears as he instructs his son to listen closely to the words, amen. My son, attend my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, amen. And, and so I'm glad that each and every one of us, uh, as we go through uh, our list of checks, I'm glad that you've got to guard your heart above all else in the wellspring, the source of all action. But see, teach your children to follow God's path, amen. Here, right here in verse 23 on down, we see the spiritual checklist. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, amen, a foolish speaking, vulgar mouth, amen, 
and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Amen. And so, as we close out, ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Teach your children to follow God's path. Lastly, what's beyond our path? I'm going to tell you something. When we look at the word ponder, it's translated. It means to weigh or to make level. And it's related to a word that means scales. And I'm glad that here in his final speech before uh, he closes out, as we look and realize, as he teaches us, the Lord is weighing our ways on a scale. Ponder the path of thy feet. He's weighing our ways and our hearts. He's putting them on a scale and he's weighing them. And as well as our actions, we had better do the same because life is too short and too precious to be wasted on the temporary and the tribal. If we're walking in the way of wisdom, God promises to protect our path, direct our path, perfect our path. And I'm glad whether foolishness that's offered to us, the danger, the detours, and the disappointments ultimately lead to death. It shouldn't be too difficult to make the right choice, praise God. Each and every one of us to teach your children to follow God's path, praise God. And all that when we do this, God will bless us tremendously, amen. God will give us uh, what no one else can give us, praise God. Teach your children, amen, to follow. And it's decision time. Listen carefully. Because here at the crossroads, it's a time that every one of us can make a decision. These two paths, the highway to hell or the highway to heaven, intersect at one point. There is a point in history where those two paths intersect, and it's at the cross of Calvary. And at the cross is where you meet Jesus Christ. At the cross is where you, your sins will pay for. At the cross is where you get off the wrong path and get on the right path. At that cross is where you can ask God to forgive you of your sins. And at the cross, you can turn your back on the way that leads to destruction. Here, at the cross, is the place where you can turn your life around. And at the cross is the place where you can invite Christ into, into your life and be the director and the guide of your life. Where you can make the most important decision of your life to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. How about it? Would you make a commitment to Christ? understanding that I'm a sinner, but believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross to free me from the punishment of my sins. I now receive him as my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I desire to live to please Christ and in placing my trust in him for the gift of eternal life. Put it in your own words. And I'm going to tell you, every one of us, we can do some great things. Grandparents can impact sons and daughters and they can do some great works. A wonderful thing for children to be taught by their parents, praise God. And so each and every one of us, when we look and when we go on, God has a special thing for each and every one of us, amen, that we can go through with. And so as I close out, I hope and pray that you would choose the Lord uh, to be able uh, to come into your heart and life at this moment because don't let the government raise your kids. It is that wisdom that only the Lord can give to us. I hope and pray that you got something out of Solomon's teaching 
of the Old Testament for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. May you do what no one else can. Bless those that are in need and especially send this out to the lost and to the many families across America that are not showing up for their role as a mom or dad, but they're letting somebody else raise their kids. Lord, I pray that they'll take it serious. The job that they have at hand is a very, very important task. Give them the ability to raise and to show their children what they need to know of the wisdom to make a change in their life. In Jesus' marvelous mighty name, amen.